Hey everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to our midweek Bible study. We are starting chapter 6 today and we should easily be able to get through all of it since it's relatively short. Now you got to remember that a lot of these chapters are very much tied to the previous chapter and our chapter today, chapter 6, is very much tied to chapter 5, especially from the beginning. And you'll notice this as we begin reading verses 1 through 2. We're going to read those first and then we'll talk about them really quick. And we'll tie those back into chapter 5 so you can understand them. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Let's read this together. It says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. All right, so this is a really popular passage of Scripture, especially as pastors are presenting the message of the gospel, and they're trying to convince people to give their heart to Christ. Um, And I say this as as pastors, I myself have used this verse, and, and I do. I think it's very important for people to realize that Anytime you are presented with the message of the gospel, it's a very urgent thing. Um, It's very important that we accept the message of the gospel whenever we hear it. Even as Christians, even if we've already been saved, to hear the preaching of God's word, it's very important for us to accept the preaching of God's word, to accept the conviction that God may be laying on our hearts, and to repent of those sins and repent of those things and to draw close to God and do everything that we can within our power to allow God to fill us with His Holy Spirit and His power, and that's really important. So, as we read these first two verses, you got to go back to chapter 5 and just kind of realize that that for whatever reason, whenever people were dividing the scriptures up into chapters and verses, for whatever reason, these two verses are very much connected to the end of chapter 5, and you know, in my personal opinion, if I were dividing them up, I would have probably took verses 1 and 2 and left them in chapter 5 and then made um, chapter or verses uh, 3 through whatever the beginning of chapter 6. But anyway, that's my opinion. So it's best to go back and read chapter 5 verses 11 through 21 um, if you want to carry over into verses 1 and 2 of this chapter and really get the full meaning of what Paul is saying and how he's finishing that up. Now, you could skimp and you could read from verses 16 through 21 to just like get the basic understanding, but verses 11 through 21 will give you the full passage of what Paul's really talking about. But if you go back and read, Paul was talking about how we are God's ambassadors and that we have all become new people in Christ. He was talking about how our old life is gone and a new life has begun. In essence, we have been reborn. And while this is very intimidating for a lot of people who aren't Christians to think like, oh, I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to everything I want, everything in the world. Like, that sounds terrible. I love stuff. I love people. I love, you know, my hobbies. Um, it, It sounds very intimidating. But to a believer in Christ who understands this, it really is a gift from God. And to understand that being spokesmen and spokeswomen for Christ and being a new person proclaiming the message of the gospel to other people is a gift. And in chapter 5, Paul is talking about this being a gift and and how uh, chapter 5 ends. And when we start chapter 6 today, reading verses 1 and 2, Paul is begging the Corinthians not to accept this marvelous gift 
and then ignore it. So, so you can't accept the gift of salvation and then ignore uh, the things that come along with it. So, so yes, we accept Christ, we accept forgiveness of sin, we accept eternal life. That's awesome. But it also comes with the responsibility to die to yourself, to die to this world, to be a spokesman, a spokeswoman for Christ, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a witness and a minister of the gospel. So Paul emphasizes the importance of accepting this gift and this calling, this new life, this rebirth as being vital and urgent. Like this is something that we should do in our lives. And in verse 2, Paul quotes uh, verse 2 is actually a, a passage from the Old Testament. It comes from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. And he reminds the Corinthian church that today is the day that we should be saved. It is today that we should repent. It is today that we should live for the Lord. Every day is the day of salvation. And so when you wake up every morning, you just have to remind yourself, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that I get to die to myself again, and I get to live for the Lord again, and I get to speak His name to other people and present the message of the gospel all over again. And today is the day of salvation. Now, if someone rejects the message of the gospel, does that mean that they can't be saved tomorrow? So if they reject it today, can they get saved tomorrow? And if someone has professed faith in the past, and let's just say they're currently living in sin. I know a lot of people who have professed faith in Christ in the past, and let's just say they're living in sin today, and they are refusing to repent right now. Does that mean that they can't uh, rededicate their lives tomorrow and come back and walk in fellowship with the Lord? And, and uh you know, I'm just here to say, like, it doesn't mean that tomorrow they can't be saved. But what Paul is saying is that, hey, man, like, this is the most important thing in our world. And you need to understand that when you hear this, there's a responsibility and a calling on our life to give our hearts to Christ. And we don't know uh, what tomorrow holds, you know, like, and and it's not just a matter of scaring people into giving their hearts and lives to Christ, but let's just take, for example, the passage where Jesus is talking about, you know, it's foolish to um, say that, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow, and I'm going to do that tomorrow, and I'm going to make these plans, and next year we're going to do this, but we should say, Lord willing, I will be there. Lord willing, we will be able to do these things, and so just understanding that as followers of Christ, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed an hour from now. We're not guaranteed a year from now. And so realizing that time is short, and this is just common sense stuff. Time is short. We're all limited. We all know that one day we're going to die. We never know what life is going to hold. So whenever we have the opportunity, whenever we're presented with conviction, um, the opportunity to, to give our hearts and lives to Christ, the opportunity to grow closer to Christ, we should be jumping at that opportunity because it is the most important thing in the world. And so it doesn't mean that if someone doesn't get saved today that they can't get saved tomorrow. But basically, it's just saying that uh, this person is playing a very dangerous game, gambling by not submitting to the Lord and acknowledging Him whenever God is presenting Himself to them. And this is a game that a long time ago... I resolved myself not to play that game. I didn't want to live in sin. I didn't want to take the chance. Um, I'm one of those people. I'm not a very lucky person. I don't win things in drawings or 
Uh, I don't win prizes at events or anything. I've never like won those things. And so I, I don't like to play games. I don't like to gamble. I think it's very unwise. Um, so for me, I think it's very important to understand that today is the day of salvation. You need to make sure you take care of it today. The gift of salvation should not be squandered, and the responsibility and the calling that comes along with salvation to be ambassadors of Christ should never be forgotten or ignored. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, as he's talking about his true disciples, he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And so just the understanding uh, today I want to pass along to you is that we must all surrender and be ready to do the will of our Heavenly Father. And that's where becoming new creations come into play in this. And, and this is why it's a wonderful gift. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Jesus and the Father. And um, that's so important to understand as you look at this. That there are so many people who have called on the name of Christ. And Jesus talked about this. There are so many people who call Jesus Lord, but Jesus said, Not everybody who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, only people who do the will of my Father. Okay, And this leads perfectly into verses 3 through 13. So read that with me, and then we'll talk about it. So Paul writes, We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity and our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. And I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. All right, so Paul moves on in this part to talk about living as examples to other believers. And the way that we live... Uh, will have such a huge impact on the people around us. Now, Paul says that everything we do shows that we're true ministers of God, and it, and it shows who we truly belong to. But this does not excuse us from the trials and the troubles of this world. In fact, sometimes following Christ may bring more troubles to us because the world is fighting against us and, and anyone that follows Christ. And Satan will be trying to discourage you and attack you and uh, thwart your, your, your ministry and the things that God has called you to do. So Paul talks about 
patiently enduring troubles of every kind. And uh, he, he lists things like being beaten, imprisoned, attacked by mobs, working tirelessly, sleepless nights, and even going hungry. And I don't know about you, but those things do not sound fun to me. That, that doesn't sound like something that we would want to happen to us. It doesn't sound like a blessing from the Lord that we would desire. But it is exactly all that we have been called to endure in the name of Christ. So Paul is communicating his calling and his love for, for the Corinthians by all of these things that he has been willing to suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is why in verse 6 he talks about proving themselves by purity, understanding, uh, understanding, patience. And I just want to throw this in there. Um, when it translates patience, now some of your versions will just say patience. Now we read from the NLT um, and it taught and it said patiently endure. Um, and so that's really important. Um, it says patiently endure in verse four, not verse six, but but as we're talking about this, it, you know, the Greek word that it was translated from was humpomene, which implies a patient endurance. It's not just a matter of just like, okay, you sit around and you wait and like you're just like a really calm and patient person. No, this is a, a patience uh, through action, like you are enduring suffering and yet you are patiently enduring that knowing that eventually it will come to an end and you are patiently enduring it. And and Paul also talks about kindness and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul and his companions have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And because they have been filled with the Holy Spirit, they are displaying the fruits of the Spirit. You will notice that a lot of the things that Paul listed in this passage are fruits of the Spirit, which he will talk about in, in a different passage of Scripture. So, no matter what they are encountering, uh, Paul says that they're always preaching the truth. They're, they're never wavering from the original true message of the gospel. And that's really important because the sufferings and the hardships doesn't change the message of the gospel. Paul uses the analogy of waging war and using weapons of righteousness um, because he understands that they're not just fighting the things of the world or the people of the world, but he's also fighting a spiritual battle from Satan and Satan, uh, Satan's uh, demons, and uh, everyone who's not a Christian is inevitably a follower of Satan. So Paul and his companions are devoted to God. They're serving him despite people's attitudes towards them. Now, Paul has been accused of being dishonest, and he's been ignored, and he's almost died many times. He's poor. He doesn't own anything. He possesses nothing. And yet, Paul says, in spite of that, they still have joy, they're still rich, and they still have everything. And that is an attitude that most Christians in America do not have, even though they profess to be followers of Christ regularly. Um, really, if things started being taken away from us, if, if we were suffering more than we were being rewarded, if we were enduring persecution, had to endure a lot of things that Paul endured, most people in America who claim to be Christians would quickly um, recant and, and turn away from the faith. And that's a really scary thing to think about, but I believe that to be true. Um, we've had a lot of people say, oh, we need persecution in America. And, and really, um, 
First of all, I don't want to willingly suffer. I mean, I hope and pray that I would be ready to suffer if if Christ ever ordained that to happen in my life, that I would be ready to do that. But I don't uh, joyfully think about the opportunity to suffer for Christ because nobody in their right mind wants to suffer. But I also know that um, most people are weak uh, and most people aren't as serious about their relationship with Christ as what they like to say they are because it's not reflected in their entire life. Um, and so, you know, Paul is willing to endure a lot, um, a lot more than what the Corinthians are doing, and this is why he's still uh, defending his apostleship, defending his love for the Corinthians through his suffering. You know, we're, And I told you at the beginning of this book that we will see a lot more of the personal things that Paul endures. Um, he'll be a lot more open and transparent in this chapter, and you're seeing him do this as he's explaining a lot of things that he's suffering and enduring in this moment. So in verses 11 through 13, Paul pleads with the church to open up their hearts to himself and his companions. And, and this is almost, it's kind of like a desperate love letter that Paul is writing. Um, you know, he's pleading. Like you can imagine this young man pleading to this girl, um, open your heart to me. Allow me to care for you. I love you. I'm willing to suffer for you. I'm willing to do this for you. And for whatever reason, the girl is just not super interested. Well, Paul has been pleading uh, with the Corinthians for quite some time now, probably about a year and a half. And, you know, it's getting to the point where a lot of the Corinthians have basically turned back to Paul. They have accepted him back in, but he's still pleading with a small group of people. And he's communicating, look, I love you. I would do anything for you. Um, he's talking about how he wants to suffer for them. He's given up his rights as an apostle. He doesn't require payment. He doesn't require them to take care of him. But yet he still is there and he still loves them. He's still serving them. If they would just open up their hearts to him and let him and his companions minister them. And that's all that Paul wants. So this whole time... In the four letters uh, that have been sent, you know, we get we have two of those letters, but we know there were four. Paul just wants to see the church of Corinth thrive in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's read verses fourteen through eighteen, and we'll be done with the chapter, and uh, we'll talk about it. Let's read. In closing, Paul says, "Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can?" Light live with darkness. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. All right. So, Paul warns in verse 14 not to team up with unbelievers. Uh, now, remember that the Christians in Corinth had accepted a lot of outside ideas. Um, they had been struggling with a lot of sin, especially sexual sin. Um, and, you know, bad people come with bad ideas, and so they've been kind of partnering with some outsiders uh, who have brought in some really bad stuff. Some had followed false apostles. Um, you know, this was one of the big things that's going on right now as Paul's writing this letter. He's still trying to get this one final false uh, apostle to, to get out of there and so that the church can be healthy and whole again. 
But the general understanding of just not partnering with anyone that is an unbeliever should be heard loud and clear for you today. So if you are a believer in Christ, you need to understand that it would be unwise for you to partner in anything with someone who is not a believer, whether it's business or hobbies or friendships or especially dating and marriage. Um, Unbelievers are the opposite of those who follow Christ, and in any kind of partnership with an unbeliever, you can be sure that you as the Christian should be and will be the one to suffer and get the short end of the stick on every occasion. Now, I want to say that again. If you are a believer and you're listening to me right now, you need to understand that whatever you partner with an unbeliever in, you need to rest assured that you are going to get the short end of the stick on about every occasion and every decision um, because... As a non-believer, most people are naturally selfish, and they're going to choose themselves over you. Now, as a believer, it should be in your new nature, as a new creation, to serve others and to give your life as a ransom, just as Jesus did, for the sake of others. So, not only will they expect you to give your life as a ransom, but Jesus also expects you to sacrifice for the sake of the message of the gospel. And uh, you will most likely be the one suffering for the sake of Christ. And if you ever lose sight of Christ in these partnerships or relationships, and you ever try to defend yourself instead of letting God be your defender, you will be seen as a bad witness, and you will be caught up in selfishness, and the other person will accuse you of hypocrisy, and you will give Jesus a bad name. It is much easier for an unbeliever to bring down a believer in Christ than it is for a believer in Christ to lift up an unbeliever. And we all want to see people get saved, but we have to be very careful not to tie ourselves with an unbeliever, just as it would be crazy to tie ourselves to a stone that could potentially drag us to the bottom of the ocean we have to be very careful not to attach or drag ourselves to um, to unbelievers. And you and I are the temple of the living God. Uh, you got to remember how last week Paul talked about our, our bodies being the tent, and it was referring to the analogy of us being the tabernacle, and uh, those houses are the very presence of God. And because of that, Paul quotes several passages from the Old Testament scriptures. Um, so verses uh, 16 through 18 are references from Leviticus 26, verse 12, and Ezekiel 37, verse 27, and Isaiah chapter 52, verse 11. Then you have Ezekiel 20, verse 34, and 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14. And all these different verses combined give us verses 16 through 18, which Paul is writing. So Paul pulls from several passages that talk about how God will walk among us, and He is in us, and we are required to separate ourselves, to not touch what they touch, and basically not participate and pair ourselves with unbelievers. Because if we do, we will become sons and daughters of God. Okay, If we will separate ourselves from the world, pull ourselves away, die to ourselves and our desires, we will become sons and daughters of God. So what a wonderful promise from God. And I really hope and pray that you have not paired yourself with anyone that is an unbeliever. If you have 
you should quickly do whatever you can to get out of that agreement because you will be the one to suffer from it most definitely in this world and even potentially eternally if you're not willing to 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 get out of that and suffer just as paul spoke up and talked about suffering uh in the name of christ and never forget that you are a temple of the living god his holy spirit dwells within you treat your body with the greatest care and respect because your body houses the holy spirit the very presence of god as you live and as you serve Jesus, remember this. Guard yourselves because you are very special. You house the presence of God. All right? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for another beautiful day. Thank you for everything you've given us. I pray, God, that you remind us how important it is for us to be separate from this world. Help us to choose you. Help us to suffer for you. Help us to be willing to suffer for others. But, Lord, remind us not to pair ourselves with them, to make you the only one that we want to partner with because we are your ambassadors. We love you. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We thank you for being a part of the Graham Chapel family, and we encourage you to be at our services this weekend. If you can't make it, as always, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. Have a great week, guys.